Welcome to the YYY Show, a comedy podcast about such histories, life, and, and human shenanigans. I'm Jingan. And I'm Eliza. And in this podcast, we are going to talk about interesting things that we search for on the internet this week. But first, we need to make a small disclaimer. This is a comedy podcast, and we do our best to research the things that we find. If there's anything that is factually inaccurate, please send us your corrections through our social media channels. You can find us at YYY Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. Okay, it is episode 70. Which oh my means goodness, it's our 70th episode. Mm-hmm. Which means we are going on a break. Yes, it's the last episode for season 6. It's time for our end of season break. Okay, so how many weeks off are we taking? Two, right? We are taking two weeks off and we'll come back on 22nd June. In the meantime, you can catch up on our earlier episodes. Alrighty. Okay, let's start the show. Okay. Eliza, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Prowl Jazz D. Prowl? Prowl Jazz D. Prowl Jazz D. Mm. P-R-A-W-O. Bravo. Okay. Jazz D. J-A-Z-D-Y. Is it a person's name? Is it? <laughs> what does it sound like to you? Bravo Jazz D. Johnny Bravo's brother. Long lost brother. Wrong. You guess it's a person's name, right? Yeah. Okay, who is it? Johnny Bravo's long lost no, brother. No, no, it's wrong already. <laughs> You're supposed to make another guess. Hmm... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind Come of on. name is Come that. On. Bravo, Jess D. Quick. Bravo, Jess D. Jesse J's long lost sister. Wrong. One <laughs> more guess, one more guess. Last, quick, quick, quick. Jess D. I don't know what is Jess D. I guess it's a website name. Wrong, wrong, wrong. All three guesses are up. Bravo, Jess D. is a criminal in Ireland. Okay. He is the worst traffic violator to have ever visited Ireland. Traffic violator. Yes. I he see. commits traffic offences. I see. Yes. Okay, like what? Like speeding is it? Yes. He's Polish and he racked up 50 tickets over the course of a few short months in different parts of the country. So he has tickets for many driving offences, including reckless driving, speeding and parking illegally. <laughs> okay. Mm. Okay. And every time he was caught, right, mm-hmm. he evaded capture. Okay. Because okay. Mm-hmm. he lists a different address every time. Oh, mm. interesting. Very, very sneaky. That's why I never come out when they call it in. Huh. But mm. won't they ask for your ID or something like that? Mm-hmm. Then? Then he lists different address, but people can have the same name, right? Oh. Then if it's always a different address, then when they call it in, then they cannot detect that it's the same person. Oh. Okay, okay. Mm. The ID number is always different. <laughs> Quite smart. Mm. But okay. So mm. how was he uh, eventually Was he eventually caught? Mm-hmm. So, that's the question, right? That's yes. the mystery of Prawo Jesdi. So, of course, one day, somebody noticed this in the system. Like, how come this person's name, this Prawo Jesdi, right, appears so many times? Mm-hmm. And for so many different traffic offences. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then stay different address. Then so smart, give different IC. <laughs> give different IC number. So an investigation was launched by the Gardai, it's the National Police Service of Ireland. Okay. Okay. Do you want to guess what they found? They found that there are many people who have this name. Huh? Why? Because they all steal this identity. Why? What insidious plan was it? What was the insidious secret about? They all want to sabotage the real Bravo JSD. Why? Because, I mean, like, maybe it's, like, some joke. Then, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, you then, know, then they will, like, say, okay, like, if you have a traffic offence, then you speed very fast or what, then you just put somebody else's name. Mm-hmm. Then let's all aim this guy. Mm. Yeah, something like that. Oh. My, my initial thoughts when I read about this, right, is mm. I thought that there was a fake ID syndicate. Oh, yeah. Then, like, like identity yeah, testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then yeah, they, yeah. like, want to, like, help the underage kids get into the club, right? Then they make oh. the fake IC for all the kids. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then okay, I imagine, okay. it cause traffic violation, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think, okay, it must be all those kids, after they go drinking, right? Then they use this fake ID. 
Mm-hmm. Then when the traffic police stop them, right? Then they give this fake ID. Mm-hmm. Then all the fake ID is the same name, but actually it's a different face. Mm. Yeah, that's my number one theory. Mm. And now I'm thinking whether Pravo Jess D is like an anagram of something. What, what, what? Like some very dumb message. Like, like what? Like, uh, you cannot catch me. Like yeah, something like that. Catch me if you can. Uh-huh. Or like, I, I, I hate the police, something like oh, that. Oh, like some <laughs> anarchy kind of message, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, so what the Gardai found okay. was that Mr. Prabo Jesti does not exist. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Prabo Jesti is actually the Polish words for driving license. Oh. <laughs> so what happened? Oh my right? god, that's so funny. <laughs> So what happened was in 2004, <laughs> Poland phased out the old paper license. Ah. And then they issued this credit card type license card. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So it's like very similar to whatever the whole of Europe was using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a card like this. Oh. Okay, I'm going to put the picture on our social media. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then this card, right, has the word Pravo JSD printed on the top right hand corner of the card. So people thought it's the name yeah, of that person. Yeah, oh. because they don't read or speak Polish. Oh. Then they assume that the biggest and most bolded words is are, the name. Yeah, it's the person's name. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah, so the Prawo is the first name, then Jesse is the last name. <laughs> <laughs> then in 2007, so after this whole investigation right, yes. was launched, yep. then the Irish Traffic Department issued an internal memo uh-huh. that Prawo Jesse is Polish for driving license. It's not first name and last name of someone. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> then in 2000, yeah, in 2009, right? Somebody go and leak this confidential memo. Oh no. Yes. And that's why now the internet knows about Provo Jesse, the worst traffic violator of Ireland. I see. Ha ha ha. I see. Okay, so do you remember the Ig Nobel Prize? Yes. You presented about it. Yeah. Yeah. So for listeners who are not familiar with Ig Nobel Prize, what is it? It is like a fake Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. And it's for like the funniest like science uh, papers or, like, yes, yes, or yes. discoveries. Correct, yeah. correct, correct. It's a, a satirical award. Yeah, satirical. Yeah, usually for unusual or trivial achievements, usually in the scientific research. Yes, okay. yes. But in 2009... After the Prawo Jesdi incident came to light, mm-hmm. the Gardai, which is the trade police mm. of Ireland, Ireland, yeah, yeah, they actually received the Ig Nobel Prize for literature <laughs> for their mistake. Why is it yeah. because of the notice <laughs> that they sent out? Yeah, <laughs> because it's like an amazing discovery for the Irish oh. police service. Amazing discovery. Yes, I see. Yeah, but they did not attend the award ceremony. Oh, of yeah. course they didn't. <laughs> Instead, the prize was accepted by a Polish lady who had received a traffic violation in Ireland. I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> so anyway, in 2013, mm-hmm. Europe standardized their driving licenses. So mm. yeah, no more such problems. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we have this story to go down in our history books. Which is quite funny, right? Yeah, I think Ireland not it, very happy. Eh? It's quite a small mistake, <laughs> but it's fine, right? Just a little blunder. Yes. I guess. Yeah, but they're not very happy that um that they went viral that and the internet a, laughed at it. Yeah, okay. They incurred the R of Ireland. Oh dear. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Okay, so Jingan, what is your search term of the week? Okay, my search term is Baum Kuchen. Baum Kuchen? Yeah. Baum kuchen. Baum kuchen. It's the cake, right? Yes, the cake. Exactly. It's the the cake with the hole in the center. With the hole in the center, then yes. It's like and? a lot of layers. It's like kuela piece, like that. Uh, yeah, ish, yeah. But kuela piece is a rectangle. Uh. Baum kuchen is a circle. Ah, uh, yes, correct. Uh. Very good, very good. Mm. So it, it is a type of spit cake. Spit? Yeah, like S P I T cake. Of oh, course, it's cooked on a spit. Oh my gosh, she got it immediately. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what spit cakes are. I know, I know, I know why. what is a spit and what is a spit cake. Because in Taka, yes. like Takashimaya, yes. the shopping mall, yep. there is a shop 
that sells this cake and they actually make it on a spinning thing. Oh. Mm. Yeah, and then I saw it in my eyes, mm. them making it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, I connected the speed to that. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Because if okay. not, you say speed cake, I'll imagine it's a cake made of saliva. Mm, mm, yeah. Yes, me too. Okay. When I saw the term, I was like, what is that? Yeah, anyway, it's a type of European stout cake mm-hmm. made with layers of dough or batter, as you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The whole thing is baked by an open fire, like rotisserie style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the stick can be dipped in a thin dough or the dough can be poured or rolled on the spit. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's not only mam kuchen. Other type of cake also can can make on the spit. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. As in like, there are other types of cakes uh, oh. that is uh, cooked in this particular way, but maybe not in the same shape. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. I see a spiky one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got spiky one. I don't know where like, I see it. On like some travel video. Yeah. Got what? What? Like a tower of cake. A tower of yeah, cake. Oh. Somehow they made All it. kinds of straight. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. So this type of cake is generally associated with celebrations like weddings or Christmas. Mm. So back to Bangkuchen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The origin of this cake is actually... German. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yes. Bangkuchen actually roughly translates to tree cake. Or lock cake. Because... Oh, because the rings, the rings. Of the three rings, right? You, when you cut yes. open a tree. Yes. Then you can see the rings, right? Which is the... the, the um, Age of the tree. The age of the tree, yeah. Oh. So that's why they call it Baumkuchen. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, I always read that word, right? And I'm like... But it's always related to a Japanese thing. What? Like as in like it's a, it's a Japanese cake, right? Yeah, yeah. It is also a Japanese... Like Japanese make their own Japanese version of the baumkuchen. Yeah, so most of what we normally see right now, right, is all from Japan. One. In Singapore, right? In Singapore and like, I guess, in Japan. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Our 7-Eleven also got sell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it but the Japanese flavor got a lot of flavor, no? It's made popular by Japan. Oh, why? Like it's super popular in Japan. Why? Why? <laughs> Okay, so we'll talk about that later. Okay, yeah, okay. but anyway, that is uh, yeah. Why I was so curious about it because it is not in Japanese. Like this word, like mm. clearly, it's not a Japanese word. Mm. And I was like, why they keep like making this cake? And oh, like, yeah. I wanted to know like what language it is. Yeah, so it's German. So anyway, yeah. So it's made on a spit. Then you brush on the even layers of batter, and then you rotate around the spit around a heat source. Mm-mm-mm. Right. Then each layer is allowed to brown before a new layer of batter is poured. Mm. That's why it's, there's it's, a bit of brown brown in the side. It's like the kebab kind of instrument, you know, that they use to cook the thing. But then, right, instead of being vertical, right, it's horizontal. Yes. Yes. Are you trying to explain yeah, yeah, what yeah. a spit is? <laughs> yeah, suddenly thought of it. Like, suddenly it appeared in my brain. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Then after that, when you take it out, then you can cut it, then you can see the rings mm-hmm. of the tree. Yeah. So typically, a bang kuchen has about 15 to 20 layers of batter. Mm-hmm. But some skilled pastry chefs can actually make up to 25 layers with the entire thing weighing over 45 kg. Oh my goodness. 45 kg? 45 kg, eh. <laughs> That's the weight of me, eh. <laughs> it's like a cake as heavy as me, eh. Oh my god. Wow, that's amazing. It's an Eliza Bamkuchen. Oh my goodness. Eliza weighted Bamkuchen. <laughs> Not made of you. Just weighs the same as you. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's amazing. Like, I can play I can play on the seesaw with it. Oh there my god, yes. So perfectly right. balanced. <laughs> the Eliza and Bamkuchen seesaw. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so why is Bao Kuchen so popular in Japan? Yeah, why? And also, you don't really relate it to a German thing. Like, to me, la, this Bao uh. Kuchen, this thing is not German. To oh. me, it is Japanese. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen it actually related to a German thing? Like, yeah, go to yeah. a German uh, restaurant I never and been offer to it? a German restaurant and, and it was offered and okay. I've never been to Germany. Okay. But it's because of that that shop in Taka when it just opened then the German man was standing there <laughs> making That shop it. is Japanese. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about it later. <laughs> no! All my life is a lie! <laughs> my brain has rewritten the memory <laughs> to become an angmore man standing in front of the shop and trying to talk it to me. No! That shop is based in Kobe, Japan. No! <laughs> Okay, my, my brain created a fake memory. Okay, but it's okay. not wrong that it is related to Germany. Okay, okay, because the name of that shop 
It's actually the name of the guy, of this German guy, called Kao Jusheng. Okay. He was in Qingdao, China during World War I. And then when the war ended, he was captured like, by the Japanese forces uh-huh. and then brought back to Okinawa. And then they had this like uh, exhibition thing in Hiroshima. So the prisoners of war were asked to put on like an exhibition of some sort. Okay. Yeah, like, like I guess do something that's related to your nationality. So he decided to make and sell the bamkuchen. What? Yeah, so it was very popular. So he decided to open a bakery. And then because of the war, because uh-huh. after World War One there is World War Two, uh-huh. so that there, there was like a, a lot of destruction everywhere. So he had to move his shop here and there. Although it was very popular every time he started it. Okay, yeah. we are not sponsored by this shop, by the way, guys. Yeah, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, it's so tra- fascinating. The it's very interesting history. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he went around uh-huh. and then like uh, basically tried to continue his shop. La. Okay, but just continue his business. Okay, mm-hmm. Because of the war, it was very bad. Okay. So anyway, he died mm-hmm. on 14 August 1945. Okay. Which is one day before the surrender of Japan. <gasps> no! So he never knew. He never knew. That Japan surrendered. Yes. And he basically lived in the war. La. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Okay, then also his son died. And then uh, after the war, his wife was deported back to Germany. Uh-huh. But she was able to return to Japan and helped a Japanese company set up a chain of bakeries under the Zhuchain name. Oh. Which still exists today. Oh. And it is that shop in Taka. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. What is a chain and it has such a like long history in... Yes. Yeah, behind it, is, it. Why it is so popular in Japan. Oh. Yes. What? It's so dark though, the history. Yeah, it's dark, but I mean like it's, you know, quite interesting to see how this, this uh, particular pastry mm-hmm. like transformed. Like, you know, it's actually a very small thing in Germany. Mm. It's not very popular at all. Mm. Like, it's just part of, it's just part of his, uh, his nationality and then he was very like proud of it. So he mm. decided to make this thing. And then because he made it so well mm-hmm. and it was so popular mm-hmm. that it became um, more of a Japanese culture mm. rather than a Germanic culture. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because this thing is not very popular in Germany at all. It's just one of the many foods that they eat. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. So why is it so popular in Japan? Because mm-hmm. it is a very popular gift at weddings because oh. of its ring shape. And also it symbolizes like love and adoration. And oh. like it's very intricate, right? It's yes, very yes, difficult. Like to many layers, right? Prepare, right? So yes. it's like, you know, like the, the care and love that you give to this uh cake. Uh-huh. It like symbolizes that. Oh yeah. Wow. By the way, you can find this bum kuchen like everywhere. You can even find it in Singaporean um convenience stores. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Go chill 7 Eleven or whatever yep. in the bread in the bread section, not yep. the cake section. Yep. You'll be able to find like all kinds of flavors. Yes. Vanilla, milk, chocolate, strawberry. And also through this, I can see, right, mm-hmm. that Singapore is very influenced by uh, Japanese culture. Yes. <laughs> Singaporean, <laughs> I feel like Singapore is very influenced by everything. That's true, Like that's cultures true. everywhere, like East, the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh. like this thing is like, it's very big, you know, in their world. But mm. it has no right to be very big in, in our world, like. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what Bam Kuchen is, like, culturally at all. Mm. Like, and if before, like, I searched this up, I didn't even know any of it. Yeah. But we find it in our convenience stores. Yeah. To us, it's like a, like a brownie. A little snack. Yeah, a brownie <laughs> or a, what you call it? A twiggy, you know, that kind of snack. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. But, like, we just, we don't know anything about it, no? But yes. we still eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the power of culture and food. I think if I ask somebody on the street, right, they'll be like, isn't it like Guela piece but just round? Yeah. I think that's what they'll say. <laughs> I like the matcha flavor the most. Ah. Alright, it's time for our special segment. Three things to Google from a friend. Okay, so this week we have two contributors. Okay. The first two are from our patron on Patreon Pro. Okay. Okay, her first one is What does the smell of grass mean? The smell of grass means <gasps> Means yes. someone just cut it, uh, not me. Yeah. That's right. It's a cry for help. <laughs> it's not me. It's a warning smell, if I'm not wrong. As in, the grass is screaming, is it? 
maybe crying for help is it is that what you mean yeah or is it a cry from help it's like it gives oh. off a smell to warn the other plants or something like that oh I thought you meant that the person cutting it is crying for help oh <laughs> no it's not okay so you meant that the grass is crying for help it's mowing your lawn a cry for help <laughs> <laughs> okay let's google it what does the smell of grass mean how do you know this? Excuse me. How do you know this? <laughs> the smell of cut grass in recent years has been identified as the plant's way of signaling distress. What? But new research says the aroma also summons beneficial insects to the rescue. What? Huh? It can summon <laughs> insects eh? To rescue it eh? Yeah, it's, yes. How do you know this? Excuse me. I don't know. I read something about it before. What yeah, nonsense? Something like a distress signal. And then like it wants to... Like it's an SOS lah. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> the plant signals the environment via the emission of volatile organic compounds, which are recognised as a feeding cue for parasitic wasps to come to the plant that is being eaten and lay eggs in the pest insect. What am I reading? Very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, so right, the plant, after being attacked by the blades of a mower or jaws of a predatory insect, mm-hmm, they will mm-hmm. produce these defensive proteins and secondary metabolites to repel the pest because the smell is very a bit strong and sharp. Mm. Yeah, and it also makes itself less appetizing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yes. So usually they will secrete this thing when, when like some kind of insect insect going eat it. Yeah. Yes. So you'll make you secrete this very smelly, noxious yes. and not nice to taste thing. Normally it's not like this massive like genocide yeah. killing. It's not a yeah. lawnmower usually. <laughs> it's us, it's humans that create yeah. the lawnmower. Yes. But yeah, but the the smell, this smell is to repel the insect, make the insect go away. Mm. Yeah. But it also attracts this parasitic wasp. Mm. Yeah, so then, right, the parasitic wasps, right, they will come to the plant and then they will lay eggs in the caterpillar's body. What? Yeah. This parasitic wasp uh, is not eat the plant one. The thing that eats the plant is the caterpillars or some kind of insect. So the parasitic wasps were like, hmm, this smell means something is eating the grass and then this smell means that I can lay eggs inside inside this caterpillar or this whatever animal. But the wasp cannot save the grass from the lawnmower. Cannot. I mean, I guess it can try to (laughs) lay eggs in the lawnmower but nothing will happen. Oh man, this is crazy apparently the rush of chemicals also like stimulate the formation of new cells at the grass the wound site oh. so it closes faster oh and then it can also like act as antibiotics to prevent bacterial infection and inhibit fungal growth eh. what <laughs> this is amazing oh wow we just smell them we're just like oh so nice the smell yeah yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> like, grassy smell. That's all. But then, it has so many functions there. Okay, so just now I was talking about the parasitic wasp. Mm-hmm. They will lay the eggs inside the caterpillar, right? Uh-huh. Mm. The smell that is released is called jasmonic acid. Okay. Because it was first discovered through jasmine plants. Okay. But the very gross thing is that when the eggs hatch inside the caterpillars, yeah. the little wasp babies will feed off the caterpillar from the inside. Oh my god. And then, this will make the caterpillar sick. Oh no. And then the caterpillar will eat less plants. Yes. Mm. And then it will slowly die, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Eee, so poor thing really and gross. gross. Nature is metal. <laughs> Why does it always do these things? So gross, huh? Okay, we are moving on. Next one. Okay, so her next search term is, Is there jury duty in Singapore? Mm, not that I know of, at least currently. Jury duty is like, we must go and judge a case, right? Yeah, yeah. I think like every citizen has the responsibility to like uh, attend a jury or something like that. Uh-huh. I think in America, it works like that. Okay. Like you, you, it's like, um, what is it called? Community service like that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. So cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means I can decide the fate of a criminal. Uh. Yes. <gasps> You are part of the jury, which is normally made up of maybe like 20 people or something. 12, is it? I don't know. 
We need to Google this. We are so unfamiliar with jury duty. So jury duty, according to Google, mm-hmm. is an obligation of US citizens who receive a summons from a court to appear on a particular day and time to potentially serve on a jury. It is a civic responsibility. Oh, wow. So what, what if you don't go, then what happened? Eh? Failing to report for jury duty is illegal and results in a wide range of penalties. The judge can hold you in contempt of court. The punishment for missing jury duty can include a fine of up to $500, a jail sentence of up to 10 days, or both. <gasps> and it, it differs from state to state, but generally you have to pay a fine. What? Or you go to jail. So interesting. You will actually be sent a postcard stating that you failed to appear. Post- then you need to like, Tell them, you know, why you never appear. Maybe you got, like, got COVID or what, right? Uh. Then you must have a real reason. It's like Singapore and NS, like that, you know, you cannot just don't go NS. Oh. Yeah. It's like you cannot just don't go for jury duty. Interesting. <gasps> a jury must begin with at least six people and no more than 12 people. So you were correct. Mm. Interesting. How many times do you have to serve jury duty, right? They can only choose you... Once during the calendar year. Oh, of course lah. If not, they keep choosing you, then after you don't even work already lah. <laughs> so do we get paid for this? As little as $5. Oh. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I guess maybe they give more on other cases you or were, Some places you will receive, this is where, I don't know which country. Uh, oh, this is in California, I think. Uh, you will receive $15 per day. <laughs> then oh, you yeah. will also receive $0.34 cents reimbursement for mileage. Okay. So if you drive there, then you can claim your <laughs> petrol, <laughs> petrol fee. <laughs> then uh, people ask, can I volunteer for jury service? No, cannot. You must be selected at random. Of course, it makes sense, lah, right? Because yeah, if you volunteer, you then, volunteer, yeah, then maybe you know you something about the case. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ah. So jury duty in Singapore. Mm. It might surprise you that we had jury trials at first. And it was abolished in 1969. Huh? So recently? Mm. The majority of common law jurisdiction in Asia, such as Pakistan, India, Malaysia and Singapore, have abolished jury trials on the grounds that juries are susceptible to bias. Oh, so they think there will be bias. Lee Kuan Yew actually um, opposed it because it was easy for like a, a very like smooth talker lawyer to swing the jury oh. in, in his favour. I see. So he felt that that's not fair, la, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because someone can be really good at um, talking, mm-hmm. but maybe they don't present a good argument. Mm. Uh, like, very populist uh, way of talking. Mm. Yeah. You're right. Leh. <laughs> Lee was a critic of jury system, stating that he had, over the comma, no faith in a system that allowed the superstition, ignorance, biases, and prejudices of seven jury men to determine guilt or innocence. Oh... Whoa, this is real. Interesting. And he actually went on on record to say that. To say it. Yeah, and he, he had an interview with the British Broadcasting Corporation in 1977 to say it. Very strong opinion. Yes. Oh, wow. But it is true that, you know, lawyers can be very convincing. Mm. And yeah. this has been a, is a well-known fact in our history books, actually. Mm. Uh, because it has been included in his biographies. Mm. Alright, now we know. Exciting. Alright, what's the next search term? Okay, the last search term is from Jinan, and her search term is How do snakes procreate? Do they have reproductive organs? Reproductive organs similar to humans. Oh. So we know that snakes lay eggs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So is it like similar to a chicken? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> what do they do? What is the similarity of a chicken and a snake? But I see before snake mating videos on Reddit and then the snake just curl up with each other and they look like they're strangling each other. Cuddling? They look like they're like fighting, you know? Oh. But they're not, they're mating. Oh. So I'm just like, huh? I also don't know, eh. Do they like uh, inseminate the eggs during that uh, courtship fighting dance? Or after? I mean, there must be a place whereby the snake lays the eggs, right? Where, where it comes out. The yeah, cloaca, the, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a chicken. Yeah. yeah. But but, but those snake. snakes have that, right? Probably. Then I guess that place is where they um, do engage. the ditch. Yeah. <sighs> this 
is very difficult. <laughs> a very difficult question for two people who did not study bio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so many assumptions. Let's just look for an answer. Okay, so... Most snakes do reproduce sexually, though there are some instances where asexual reproduction is possible. So there are snakes that are just asexual. Okay, okay. Mm. Okay, so for the asexual side, uh, an anaconda mum can give birth to baby clones without any males. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it is possible, mm-hmm. but it's very rare. Mm. Okay, so for the snakes that do reproduce sexually, yes. Okay, they use a thing. Yes, so the male snake has this thing called hemipenes. Yes. Which is two organs that come out of the cloaca. Mm-hmm. And then it fertilizes the eggs inside the female. Yes. And the female snake and the male snake may stay joined for as long as one day. One day. Though it is usually over in about an hour. So it depends on the breed of the snakes also. Okay. Like, yeah. Whether How... they want to take their own sweet time. Yeah. <laughs> How long they stay that for it's very fascinating eh so the hemipene right mm. it basically means two penises mm. two organs and mm. both of them right have a separate reservoir of sperm wow okay yeah why do they have two they have two because they can mate successfully with two females in a short period wow Oh, so they can mate faster and more efficiently. Efficient. Mm, mm. Because it makes sense ma, for the animals to reproduce as fast as they can. Yes, and also because it takes very long for their thing. About an hour or a day. Uh-huh. So you want to make it as efficient as possible. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so the female, right, when it's ready to mate, it will leave a trail of odour. Behind her. So the male snake that's ready to mate will smell this smell mm. and follow the trail until it finds the female. Oh. Yeah. Then he will try to crawl over her. La. Then if there is a lot of male snakes uh, fighting for one female, right? They will all try to crawl on top of the female at the same time. Oh my god. So whoever can wrap the tail around the female and meet at the correct point, right? Mm. Will be the one that gets to meet. I see. Mm. It's quite interesting. And then the another interesting thing Mm-hmm. Is that same snake species, right, have spurs on their hemipenes that perfectly match up with a female's body of the same species. This is so that they won't reproduce with the wrong type of snake. Species. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, the female snakes will prefer to mate with the biggest and strongest suitors. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. So that's why when they fight for, for the female, right, yeah, then the usually the bigger and the more strong one will win. Will win, uh? yeah. Mm. Okay, understand. Very good. Wow. So once mating is complete, right, the female allows the eggs to develop inside of her. Mm. Uh, then got the shell will develop and everything. Yeah, have ovaries and stuff Mm-mm-mm. inside the snake. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Then after that, right, the male just leaves. Mm. Does not continue to play a part in the hatching of the eggs or raising of the young. Oh, so it just run away. Yes. The female snake, though, mm. does raise the young. Mm. Mm. Wow. So it can incubate in her for around one month mm. before she lay the eggs in a shallow nest. Mm. Yeah. Also, mother pythons, right? They don't eat anything during their pregnancy and can lose up to 40% of their body weight during this time. Wow. And it can be quite fatal. Wow. Yeah. The sacrifice of having babies. <laughs> Indeed. And then some species of uh, females, actually many of them, they actually leave their eggs once they are laid and let the babies fend for themselves. Mm. Depends lah, yeah, correct. Yeah, so most of the baby snakes, they are born with all the instincts necessary to survive from the moment they hatch. Mm. But of course, once again, this depends on which species it is. Mm. Yeah. And in case you are curious, right, mm. sea snakes, right, mm. they live in the water and they breed in the water, mm. but they have to slither onto land mm-hmm. for at least long enough to give birth. Wow. So they give birth on land, not in yeah. the sea. Correct. Oh. Interesting. This is very fascinating, eh? Alright, I guess that is just the tip of the iceberg for Snakes. snake reproduction. Yes. There's a lot, a lot, a lot more to go into. Alright, that's the end of our special segment. Alright, Liza, what is your second search term of the week? My search term is... Are tiger prawns really called tiger prawns or is it just a singlish term for it? You mean like is that they are like name... Yeah. Known globally. Yes. <laughs> is that their name known around the world? Or is I it think so. Or I think Singaporean so. thing? Maybe. What Probably. 
Yes. I think so. Okay. Yes. But first, right, before we go into this uh, search prawn. term, mm-hmm. what is tiger prawn first? You want to describe it? I mean, it's a prawn that's uh-huh. normally very big. Uh-huh. And then it's like, when it is not cooked yet, mm-hmm. it's like grayish. Mm-hmm. And then like there's stripes mm. along the shell that part. Mm. And then it looks like the stripes on a tiger. Then how we eat? We cook it. Uh-huh. Then we peel off the shell and we eat it. Oh, I mean, what, what cooking method is? But okay, yes. <laughs> usually. <laughs> what do you mean by what cooking method? Just oh, cook we usually we like, we usually uh, stir fry it or we usually barbecue it. Oh. Like Singaporeans. Oh, you mean, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. We can steam it also. What? Yeah, yeah, people do steam it also. Yeah, so tiger prawns are these very huge prawns that Singaporeans love to eat. Can yes. be the length of a finger up to the length of your hand. Yes. Very big, very bouncy, very juicy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then places like Newton Circus, the mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. center. Yeah, the they Newton. sell this. Yeah, yeah, they will grill it, then sell very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a famous case where six American tourists ordered eight prawns. At Newton. And how much was it? Uh, $239. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yes, what are tiger prawns and are they really called tiger prawns? You say yes, probably, right? Yeah. Around the world, people call it tiger prawns. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Their scientific <laughs> name is Peneus monodon. Okay. And they are known as the giant tiger prawn or Asian tiger prawn. And they are huge. They are huge. Yeah. They, they can really grow mm. up to 33 cm long, mm-hmm. but are usually between 20 to 30 cm long. Mm. It's like, you know, the size of your plastic ruler in school. In you know? school, yes. Yeah, it can be up to the that long length. one. The long yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're actually the largest prawns in the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. They are very big. Mm. Their local names are Gao Chap Hei. Okay. Literally means nine stripes prawn. Oh. Although the prawns might not have exactly nice stripes. Mm. Mm. Or Lao Hu Xia. Yeah, which is translated to tiger prawn. Yeah, tiger prawn. Mm. So, <laughs> so the tiger prawn connoisseurs, they will usually pay more for the wild ones than the farmed ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know how to tell the difference? There is a difference. Between the wild caught ones and the farmed ones. Yes. Color difference. What color? The wild one is blue. Slightly. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm just making a wild suggestion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a wild guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good pun. Okay. <laughs> then? The, uh, the farmed ones uh-huh. are not so uh, blue. Oh. Like, I think the the ones in the wild maybe are blue and yellow or something like that. She's just making things up, man. Yeah, I'm just, just making, making things up. Things up. <laughs> You know, when I was looking at the pictures, I was like, I can't really tell the difference. But okay, well, the wild ones usually come in a variety of colours. So they are usually from greenish black to rusty brown. Okay. So there's a range of colours. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grey also have. So what's know? the difference? The farmed ones are more uniform in size. And oh. they have a bluish grey colour. So oh. your understanding of it is tombale. Oh. <laughs> it's the wrong way around. The bluish grey one is the farmed ones. Oh, yeah, okay. the variety of colour one, or the brownish, mm. green, black, all that. I have been trained. Yeah. Okay. That one is the wild caught one. The ones. wild caught. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. I think if you don't put it side by side for me, right, I cannot tell the difference. Of course. Yeah. Okay, another big difference is the price. Mm. Yeah. The farmed ones, of course, cheaper, lah, right? Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. about $23 per kg, Singapore dollars. Okay. Mm. The wild caught ones are almost twice the price. What? Yeah, around thirty-eight to forty dollars per kg. Wow, mm. that's very expensive. And the wild ones are seasonal, oh. so only certain times it will have lah. Mm. I mean the right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Makes sense. Interestingly, the natural distribution of tiger prawns is actually in the Indo-Pacific area, mm-hmm. which is the area we are in. Mm. Yeah. So we can find them in the waters around Southeast Asia. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but this also means that we can also get these prawns in places as far as East Africa mm. or Northern Australia. Oh, so okay. yeah, they swim around. Yes. Yes. <laughs> as prawns do. Yes. <laughs> okay, so why do we like them so much? It's nice lah. Prawns are nice lah. It's delicious. Delicious. Yeah. The meat to shell ratio is very high. Yes, actually. Okay. It's even higher than lobsters. Mm-hmm, lobsters mm-hmm. are the shell a lot, then the meat is like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's but right. this like tiger prawn is like 
meet a lot, then the child is like, little bit. Yeah, so the ratio, right, affects the amount of effort that you take to peel the thing also. Mm-hmm. Correct? Because mm-hmm. like, for example, for lobster, right, mm-hmm. it's like to get the shell off is also very difficult. Yes. Yeah, it's much higher effort than a prawn. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's why we love it so much, right? That's why we like the prawn. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. There's also a smaller version of the giant tiger prawn. It's called the green tiger prawn. Mm. Or soy ka hei. Okay. It's small leg prawn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, when I look at it, I still think it looks the same. La. Okay. But apparently, it's a different breed. Okay. Yeah. Then this one is usually used for those jumbo prawn mee or jumbo prawn soup. Oh. You know, those kind of outside. Oh, is it the little legs is green? Or something. Is yeah, it green it's greenish. Leg? It's more greenish. Oh, color. okay, okay. Yeah. So there are actually many, many, many other types of prawns that we consume. Yes, in yes, Singapore. yes. Yeah, it's not possible to go through all of them. Mm. Yeah. We like prawns a lot as a country. Yes. But yeah, tiger prawns are really called tiger prawns. Nice. Okay. Okay, so Jingan. Yes. What is your search term of the week? My search term is... Can we hear sound underwater? Yes. <laughs> Of okay. course can hear la. Yes, you can hear, okay. But, correct. but the sound is what kind of sound? But is it really with our ears? <gasps> and is it different? <gasps> like underwater? Yes, it's different underwater. It's different, right? You can't it's like it's a blue 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 like muffled la muffled. Yeah yeah yeah. Right, it's right, blue, right. Blue. Okay, so generally, right? Sound generated underwater stays underwater. So for example, if I make a sound under the water, then somebody on land cannot hear that. Make oh. sense? Make sense? Whoa. Because it the, the sound cannot really uh, penetrate the surface of the water, is it? It can, but it just uh, does not travel as well. It will be lost. Mm. Because it's energy, right? Mm, kind of, kind of. Also because of the, the way that we hear it is affected. Oh. Yes. Whoa. So when you're underwater together with the sound, you should mm. be able to hear the sound. Mm. Okay, make sense, ah? Mm. Okay, when your head is out of the water mm. and the sound is produced underwater, you technically should be able to hear a little bit of it, just not as much. So it's like... Woo, 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 woo. Is okay, it? later I'll explain why. But okay. if you put your head under the water, uh-huh. you also cannot really hear what is happening outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannot really hear. Correct, correct, correct. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Makes sense, ah? Like when you go swimming, right? Then you dive down, then you go in like be underwater mm. then you cannot really hear what the coach is saying on top yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. then the coach was saying stop playing come up and listen to me I can't hear you <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect right you cannot hear what <laughs> yes 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 yeah okay so yes because uh, when the sound travels and hits the water uh-huh. then it's like it cannot really. It's like you can't really hear uh-huh. it uh-huh. Mm, because of the way that we perceive sound. Okay, so it has to do with our ear. Our ear. Our I thought, ear. I thought it's about it's about the density of water and air. Yes, that also, but oh. also our ear. Like oh. that's one of the the thing. Oh. Yes. Okay. Oh. So our ear, right, is made up of the outer ear, the, but like the eardrum is the the middle point between your inner and outer ear. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Right. When sound comes into your ear, which mm. is vibrated air, mm-hmm. so it will like, make onto your your eardrum. Yes. Then after you get this, you hear this sound. Yes. Because you hear the vibration. Yes. In a sense. Yes. Okay. So when you're inside the water, the water is covering that part of your ear all the way into your eardrum. Yes. So how are you supposed to hear anything? Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. So that's not the end of it though. Because there's another part of your ear uh-huh. that is more connected to the bone. Uh-huh. And that part, right, uh, is, is connected to the skull. So to your bone, uh, basically. Uh-huh. And then when you hear the, the sound underwater, that's what you're using to perceive the sound underwater. <gasps> so it actually vibrates a little bit of your skull. What? That's why okay. it sounds a bit like boomy. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> like drummy. Uh. So you actually feel the sound more, uh-huh. then you hear it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I know there's there was this technology that they wanted to create some kind of a microphone and a speaker, mm. like a earphone with the microphone, and then they mm. use the vibrations in the skull. Yes. Instead of like air. Yep. Oh wow. 
So if you think about it, right, the sound produced above water, like uh-huh. the coach shouting at you, uh-huh. is transmitted through air, right? Yes. But then when you're inside the water that time, your ear cannot hear the thing through air because your outer ear is blocked by water, ma. Yes. So then how are you supposed to hear the thing that is transmitted by water? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so you can hear a little bit only because that thing is transferred into the water. Oh, that is touching your face. <laughs> oh, what? Okay. It's touching your, it's a skull thing. La. Yeah. It will vibrate your skull a little bit. Yes. Okay. So there's an actually an experiment you can play with your friend or whatever uh-huh. inside the swimming pool. Uh-huh. Okay. So the first thing is to get someone to talk to you above the water while in the pool. So can you hear it? Cannot. Hello, hello. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then okay. When, after that, you can actually bring two spoons uh-huh. to the swimming pool. Uh-huh. Then your head above the water, you can bang the two spoons together underneath the water and see if you can hear the sound or not. Uh, ting, 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 like that. Underneath la. the water though. Uh, but you put under the water, then you see whether you can hear the ting, yeah. ting, ting. Okay. See whether you can hear or not. Okay. Then after that, you put your ears under the water and then cling the spoon again and uh-huh. then you hear whether you can hear. Okay. So, yeah. So what's the answer? So the answer is that obviously you cannot hear when the you cling the spoon underneath the water lah. Uh-huh. But if you go inside the water and hear, you should be able to hear the cling cling sound from the spoon. Is it like uh, the same cling as you hear in the air or is it a different cling? It's different. <gasps> because oh. you won't hear, you cannot hear. Cannot yeah, really you're not hear. using the 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 air <laughs> cling. Yeah, you're hearing the water cling. Yes. Oh. Wow. Okay, so at this point, right, I want to talk about another thing. Mm. Is that when you're inside the water, right, you can hear the sound louder. Louder? Yes. Louder? Why? 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 This is because, right, water is actually a better conductor of sound huh? compared to air. Oh. Sound travels five times faster underwater. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because it is so fast that it reaches our ears mm. at almost the same time. We cannot tell where it comes from and it's also louder. Oh, nice. So, right, the other experiment, right, is uh. to give the spoon to your friend. Okay, then, now, your head above the water, right? Ah. Uh. Okay, then you ask your friend to clean the spoon. Then you should be able to spot where the, where, um... Where your friends are. The, where your friend the, is. Where the spoon is uh-huh. uh, while closing your eyes. Okay. Okay, then after that, you go inside the water and you close your eyes again. Then ask your friend to clean the spoon underneath the water and see if you can hear or not where it come from. <gasps> yeah. Oh. You, you should be more difficult. Oh, nice. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now to find your friend to play this stupid thing with. <laughs> indeed, indeed. For science. Then later you need to explain to the lifeguard why you bring the spoon to the <laughs> swimming pool. <laughs> later, later everybody bring their spoons to the swimming pool then got leftover spoons in yeah. the swimming pool. <laughs> I was thinking, what nonsense is going on? Uh? <laughs> What kind of stupid trend is this? Is this a new TikTok trend or something? Abandoned spoons in the swimming pool. Yes. Mm. Alright, we've reached the almost end of our podcast and now it is time for... One thing to recommend. Okay, my recommendation for this week is... The pick and rule. Huh? Pick and rule. Pick and rule. Yeah, P-E-A-K-E-N-D. Pick and rule okay it's actually a psychological term essentially it means that we remember an experience largely based on how it's felt at the peak which is the most intense part Mm -hmm. and how it feels at the end Mm. rather than the total sum of the whole experience Mm. or the average of the whole experience Mm. Uh we don't know how to average things on yeah 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 our brain cannot (laughs) compute yeah, so it inspired me to change the way I end my day. Okay. Okay, so instead of just doing my work and being done with it and then just like unwind and go sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So every evening, right, before I unwind, I will do a quick recap in my journal. Okay. So I'll write down the highlights of the day in mm. point form. Okay. Three things or people that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Then I'll grade my day. Mm. Yeah, so the highlights is for the peak. Mm. Yeah, then this whole tiny ritual is for the end. Mm. Yeah, then I will strive for an A2 kind of day. So oh. 70 marks can really. Because yeah. mm, mm, mm. A star is too stressful. A star is like 90 marks. Mm. Yeah. So I feel that like as creatives, right, we always strive for mastery and perfection. Yeah, but it's counterproductive. Yeah, too stressful. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I think A2 is just right, you know, 70. Yeah. At the end of the week, right, I will see how many A days I have. Mm. Yeah. So if I have many A days, right, means my week was an A week. La. Very good. La. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Then if I feel bad for no particular reason, mm-hmm. yeah, then I will be like, feelings are not facts. Yeah. 
because I feel like my brain always caught me. It always caught me to think that I had a shitty week or an unproductive week, but actually I do a lot of things. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. So con her brain. Yeah. So the mm. fact is, yeah, I had a good week. Mm. And then when I see, I was like, oh yeah, I had a A week. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it helps me feel better. Just to remind yourself, like, basically. Yeah. And like sometimes our brains just like to put very weird thoughts, like as if we didn't uh, experience the good things. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, we covered it in the episode before, yeah, la, yeah. like that our brain is primed to like pick up on the negative, you know, more than the positives. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, mm. my recommendation for this week is Ya Boy Kong Ming. Ya Boy Kong Ming. Yes. Okay. Mm. It's an anime. Mm-hmm. So Kong Ming is like K O N G M I N G. Yeah. So this guy, you know, you know who's Kong Ming? Uh? Is he Confucius? No, that's Kong Zi. <gasps> Kong Ming is not Kong Zi. No. I thought Kong Ming is his real name, then Kong Zi is his short name. No, no, no. No. His real name is Johnny, but okay, never mind, that's a different story. Johnny? <laughs> Kong Ming's name is Johnny? Yeah, Zhongni. Are you freaking serious? I need to present this in another episode, man. <laughs> serious, yeah. Okay, another one. <laughs> Next time I'll talk about it. So who is Kong Ming? <laughs> Kong Ming is Zhuge Liang, you know, Zhuge Liang. Oh. Yeah. Oh, the, the three kingdoms. Yeah, it doesn't sound like his name at all. Strategist. Okay. Yeah, very smart one. Okay. Yeah, okay. Anyway, it's an imagination of this guy. Mm. He's from the three kingdoms time. Very smart guy. Being reincarnated into modern Tokyo with all his memories intact. Uh-huh. Then he's like, oh my god, what's this place? Uh-huh. Then he meets this upcoming singer who is trying to make it work. And okay. then like, there are shenanigans. And okay. it's very hilarious and like, very... <laughs> Because I just try to imagine this whole scenario and I think it's very funny. It is very funny and okay. it's, like, it's very interesting to watch him use his tactics, right? Mm-hmm. Inside the the modern music world. Mm. And it's like the strategy, you know? Mm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. Quite fun. Okay. Yeah. Alright, we've reached the end of this week's podcast. Thank you, Eliza, for making this podcast with me. And thank you, Jingan, for doing this podcast with me. If you have Googled anything interesting lately, you can drop us a DM or comment on any of our social media accounts and we will search it up on the show. You can also follow us on our Twitter, Instagram or on our Facebook page where we post images of some of the things that we talked about today. You can also help share our show with your friends that might enjoy our comedy trivia podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon page and give us a small contribution to help us keep the show running. And now, we're off the record one more thing. A Patreon-only podcast called One, one More thing. thing. So, see you there!